Hello friends and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town pod. This just in friends, we can't have nice things. Ipswich Town went to Bristol Rovers on Tuesday and maybe a little bit predictably laid an egg. They drew nil-nil at a side that had lost their last five games. They've dropped down to fourth in the League One table. They're now closer to Wickham in seventh than they are to Sheffield Wednesday in second place. Both of those sides have a game in hand. Obviously, Bolton, who are going like a freight train, have overtaken town. Things are not ripe in this particular garden. I am Mark Heath, and I'm here with a man who we need in, in moments like this. He's calm. He's measured. He's analytical. That man, of course, is Andy Warren. He's also sporting, quite excitingly, which might be the highlight of today's pod so far, or indeed the whole show, Hutchie, a new haircut. <laughs> new? Is it new? I, well, yeah, you've it's... had your hair cut. Yeah, I have had my hair cut. It's, it's been cut short, too short. Um, but I guarantee by the next time anybody sees me, either on the post-match video on Saturday or the next podcast, it will look different to this. So uh, maybe we can... Maybe we can chart the growth. The growth of Hutchie's voluminous hair. I like Let's it. See. I like it. It's not quite as footballer as it was before. Um, no. you say, it's a bit short on top for that, but um, I'm sure in, in due course it will be looking trendy, as the kids say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's me. Right then. Um, so, obviously, Hutchie, we've got to talk about Bristol Rovers. Um, we've got The main thing we're going to talk about today, really, is kind of reasons for why it's all started to slide a bit at town, which there's no getting away from. It definitely is. Um, but do you remember a couple of weeks ago, Hutchie, when we had a light-hearted chat, as we always like to do, I had that big shiny red panic button and I was hovering over it and you said, don't, no, don't Heathy, don't push that. There's no, no good can come of panicking. Um, am I, am I hovering a bit closer to that button now, Hutchie? Are you still, how sanguine are you? As we... I don't, mate, I'm never going to panic. I honestly <laughs> don't think, like, what, what good can come of panicking and, and we'll, this is maybe going too far full circle is the fact there isn't going to be a, a panic. I would hope is what will be Ipswich's route out of this, but mm. um, clearly things aren't good. Um, you, you said Bristol Rovers was rather predictable. The, the fact it was so disappointing for me anyway, is the fact that that wasn't what I was expecting. Mm. Um, that that wasn't what I was expecting to see from town on, on Tuesday night. And that's why I felt so flat at the end of it. Um, I think that the views kind of from within the camp, the public views anyway, from within the camp and the management afterwards were uh, a bit more upbeat than I was feeling about how, how well they played. I, I don't think they played very well at all. I don't mm. think they were dreadful I, I, on reflection. I don't, I really don't think they were dreadful. They were just meh and uh, bits which have higher standards than meh. Um, <laughs> we don't want should, meh. Yeah, we don't, we don't want meh. It was so meh and all it did was all it did for me was highlight the negatives of the Sheffield Wednesday game. It just brought the negatives of the Wednesday game to the fore when mm. what I was expecting was to actually be able to be like feel the, the glowing embers of the positives of that Wednesday game. But actually it just kind of brings into focus the negative side of it mm. a little bit. So it, as, as an all round package, um, I think the, the Bristol Rovers game just, um, just tipped things, tipped things a little bit. Okay, well, so obviously we have to start there. I don't want to talk too much about the game because it's two nights ago and I'm more interested in the stuff that's happened post-game. Uh, but is, is there anything particularly you want to highlight from the game? Anything that, that stood out for you other than town not really, um, by the sound of it, being at the races, as they say? Quite frankly, no. Um, I think so much of a... 
the chat around this game just feed, feeds into it. it. It was the bigger picture. We were watching mm. that. We watched the bigger picture um, in front of us as a game. The only the only thing I'll come away really remembering of of the game is is how fast they started and how quickly that faded, um, and then the, the horror moment in the second half where Walton dropped the the easiest of balls and Wolfenden's had to clear it off of his. Have you seen the highlights by the way? Do you think incident? he dropped that though? Do you think do you Walton. think it was a drop? Yeah, because yeah. I I wondered having watching it whether he was kind of just knock it down and he didn't realise how close the the Rovers well. player was to him. And then immediately, as soon as he knocked it down, he'd realised he'd made a terrible error. Yeah. Um, well, I think he personally, I think he dropped it. But my big takeaway was: Did you see how vigorously Luke Walker yeah. ce- celebrated <laughs> with the post? That's yeah. my shook like the a, very the very core of the stadium. Yeah. You you talk about the twelfth the fans being the twelfth man. The way that they celebrated that is was, was that left hand post um, was Town's twelfth man. That those will be the things I remember from this game, but. In, in terms of incident and 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 how it all played out, it it was kind of the bigger picture in in front of our eyes, which is mm. why you're probably right that that actually more of the conversation should be around the bigger picture at town, where, how it's got to where it's got, because because really this this highlighted a lot of it. Mm. Okay, well, there's two big things to talk about. I think from post game, one is is McKenna's interview, uh, and the other is clearly Sam Morsey uh, and his interaction, frank exchange of views with fan or fans, um, which he subsequently apologised for. Which which of those would you like to cover first, Hutchie? Um, let's let's talk about McKenna mm-hmm. first. Yeah, okay. Well, it's a difficult job, isn't it, as a manager or indeed a player? Because you can't come out and probably say what you really feel. Um, you have to kind of toe the party line to a certain extent. Um, what did you make of the, the Joey Barton apology, by the way? Uh, and McKenna talking about that because that is basically mm. what the job of a manager is, is to set your team up in a way that benefits you most. And therefore, yeah. you, if you think you're going to get pumped by going toe for toe with town, you don't have to. That's, there is no rule. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to lie down for the best teams. No. That's not, that's not how, that's not how football works. Um, no, that was some interesting turn of phrases from Kieran there to describe that. Um, mm. I, I get what he was saying. Um, but I think while doing that, while while doing that, I think Bristol Rovers also managed to kind of show a bit more sort of bit between their teeth as well at the same time. If that wasn't giving Ipswich a game, hmm. um, then I'm not sure what was really because they, they looked more threatening um, when they did attack. They didn't have as many of those attacks, but they looked more likely to do something, I think, at, at hmm. certain periods. Um, but no, teams shouldn't, teams shouldn't be lying down in front of Ipswich and just showing them the way to goal and let them do what they want to do. That's that's the game. Um, mm. It's Joey Barton probably trying to have some fun, potentially. We've not seen that one before, have we? No, no. Uh, but I was slightly, I was slightly uh, amused by the way McKenna, well, obviously I wasn't in the interview, but certainly mm. the quotes themselves are almost like, well, look, look, they admitted they didn't want to play us. Um, yeah. I'm sure that is frustrating, but that is... That's part of the challenge, surely. Is, is... It's part of the challenge, but it's part of the problem as well, mm. I think. Um, maybe League One's a different game to what Ipswich are trying to play. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, there might be something in Maybe. Um, I, 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 without jumping ahead too much, my overall... T- I listened to um, 
I listened to the pod you did on Monday with Stu about like while I was having a walk around Bristol on Tuesday. I listened to it on speed one and a half. By the way, you you both sound great in speed one and a half. We sound but, like we're on helium. I didn't realize. Yeah, that was Stu does. Thing. Yeah, Stu. I I listen to quite a lot of podcasts that way. It's, well, you um, pressed for Stu... time actually. What was? <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> I, want, I want to pack them all in. Um, <laughs> but um, Stu was talk was talking about um something being missing. Yeah. And I think League One's League One Street Smarts might be the thing. Um, Ipswich play very sophisticated football. They play great football when they're when they're flowing. They they play they're really well thought out. Um, tactically, they're good, hmm. but but I think at a very basic level, they're maybe maybe missing a little bit of kind of League One Street Smarts. Which if if you're going to play against League One teams who are in Joey Barton's words, that sort of not allowing you to play, then that's that's the game, um, mm. and that might be that might be what what's missing. League One's a slightly different game to to the one Towner Towner playing. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean the idea that Towner are essentially a, a team built for the Championship but stuck in League One, perhaps. Yeah, um, yeah. And they work, take... Look, look, it does work. You can you can get out of League One doing that. Of course, you mm. can. Um, there's very different ways of getting out of out of the division you don't have to be Rotherham to do it as they've proven successful under Paul Paul Warren and obviously Derby are doing okay under him now as well um you don't have to do it that way but but that's I, I would I would guess that's probably a more proven way out of this league than, than the way Ipswich are trying to do it mm. and as we've but as we've said so many times which has the higher ceiling um oh yeah Sun, Sunderland right now doing are doing really well in the championship promoted Hmm. promoted last season they're going well in the championship doing things away similar ish you would probably say to to town hmm. um that has the higher ceiling undoubtedly and I, and I like the ceiling that Ipswich have I like what they're trying to do but in the here and now maybe there's um maybe it's a slightly different game where you need a few a few different um different pieces on the board who knows there you go then. Problem solved. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs> uh, what else do you take away from McKenna? Because uh, other than that kind of Joey Barton thing, which I found interesting, there was there was uh, kind of reference to having to keep the players' confidence high, the belief high, um, and this kind of um, uh, acceptance that they haven't really earned the right to be looking at the, at the at the league table. We just need to get a win, essentially. Which and and things clearly will look different when they do. Hopefully, get a win on Saturday in emphatic style. Was there anything else that you, you took away from Kieran's post-match? I mean, he is still remaining incredibly calm and, and, and measured, which is, which is a good thing, isn't it? hundred percent. Um, I think that that's their route out of this, mm. what, whatever the, whatever the changes are made and, and whatever time frame they're made in the route out of it is, a, is the calm head and, and the, the, the thorough working of, of the coaching staff and a group of players who not, that long ago were um were all as one and were all regularly talking about how wonderful the, the manager was and how mm. well coached they were. That remains the case. Um they just need to find a way out of it together. It, it, I think my main takeaway from from Kieran, I was sat on a cold step next to <laughs> next to um next to that interview while it was happening. So I could I could hear it and I've obviously listened to it again since. Um it's just a a spell where where maybe a tough a tough spell for a man who's obviously quite new to this mm. still 
being being in a first full season. Um, but I hope he just continues to be himself because mm. that's what we liked so much and still like about him um, now. And, and I think it's their route out of it. I do mm. think it's their route out of it. So um, yeah, just just um, some work to be done. You do you do sometimes kind of forget that, don't you? That McKenna is in his first full season as the man. And he's kind of yeah. learning on the job, isn't he? In many ways. Yeah, of course. Of course he is. Like he's got and it's a really valid point. He's he's more experienced coaching wise than than mm. so many managers ten years older than him in the game. Of course he is. But there is a difference being the main the main man and and, and, and leading leading the team. So yeah, it's his first full season. He did have a good six months kind of grounding to lead into that first full season and then that will have proved useful but um he's got a bit of a test at the moment of of not really had to kind of and it, it's a weird feeling this one because it's not it's not this Bristol Rovers game that that's caused this kind of feeling is it I, it's maybe sort of been building towards this for a little while like a, mm. a thorough realization of actually things aren't going that well there've been signs along the way but it's a it's a first real test to kind of lead a team out of a significant slump, um, yeah, a real slump, and um, it'll be interesting to see how he does it. I think you made a good point in your Andy's angles, which went online yesterday morning about uh, McKenna said in isolation, a draw at Bristol is not actually that that bad of a result, and we all said I think you know previewing the game certainly I predicted a draw. A lot of I don't think any of us predicted a win. Maybe Rossi did. Um, so on its own, that's that's not a bad result. But when you put it, you can't take it in isolation, can you? Against a picture of the last fifteen games, no. um, that's that's the problem, the bigger picture. Yeah, well, yeah, we're beyond isolation now, aren't we? You yeah. can, I, I don't know if it's even that helpful doing it in August, September, October time. Um, mm. But certainly heading towards March, um, yeah, you're you're beyond the point of being able to take every game purely in in isolation. And in isolation, they still weren't good enough in this game. In no. isolation, but but you take you take the um, you take what you saw. You, you take the opposition, take everything into account, and you probably do come away with that. If Ipswich were going well at the moment, you come away from that thinking, okay, fine, um, not great, bad night, move, move on. on. But you can't yeah. you can't do that at this point. Um, so yeah, it's it's not not great, not great. Either. Okay, well, you famously have a calm head. Kieran McKenna famously has a calm head, but there was something post-game which did not involve calm heads, Hutchie. And that was um, an exchange of views, shall we say, between between Captain Sam Morsey and a fan or fans, um, video widely shared on social media. Obviously, we have to say here, we don't know what was said to Sam. We don't know what Sam said to the fan or fans, uh, but clearly there was some kind of disagreement uh, and Sam was, was walked away by a member of, of town staff. Uh, he subsequently issued an apology yesterday, um, which I thought was the right thing to do. What did you make of this, Archie? I, as, as a human being and someone who has a quite a fiery temperament myself, I, I can totally understand Morsey reacting without knowing what was said to him. Um, I can understand he seems to be a fiery character, um, clearly would have been disappointed at the end of the game. Um, but it's just never a good look, is it, for any player to having be having verbals with no. fans? No, it's not. Yeah, I think that would be my takeaway: is that it's not a good look. It is. I'll be honest. Things, things like that don't provoke a huge amount in me. Like mm. I, I, I think it was. 
I don't think this was anything close to the scale of what happened at Charlton a, no. a year over a year ago. It, it was an exchange of views. We don't know what was said. It's hard to really comment on that. Um, I'm sure Sam regrets getting into it. I'm sure he had his reasons for it at the time. I'm glad that he cares enough to at least be hurt by mm. potentially what was being said um, from the from the fans. I don't think it's a great look, especially for the captain to be doing that. But I, I also I also don't think it's a huge drama. Um, it's certainly not a huge drama after he responded in the way that he did. I think that was, yeah, probably a good a good thing to do. Uh, hopefully that's put a lid on it. Um, and you move on. Um, I don't think you can accuse Sam Morsi of not of not caring. Mm. Um, and just for me, for me, it's just a, a little bit of a little bit of nothing, little bit of nothing really. Um, yeah. But I'm just glad it's kind of had a lid put on of it, put on it yeah, within you, a, within a few it. hours. I think you're spot on. Yeah. Had he not apologised and just left it, it would have been kind of something similar yeah. in the background, wouldn't it? Whereas coming out and doing a mea culpa and saying, "I'm, you know, sorry, I, I regret what what happened," um, mm. and kind of restating just how much it means to him to be captain of this famous club, was was I think exactly yeah. what, what had to happen. And then fair play to him. Right then, Hutch, we can't put it off any longer. The main thrust of today's show is is really a look at, at where things have have been going wrong for town on this slide. It's definitely a slide. You can't say any, anything other. You look at the stats. Consider this, by the way, shoulder programming to an excellent piece that, that Stuart Watson wrote this morning. 1,600 words of exactly that, looking at all the various reasons that have been listed for town's struggles, uh, going through them kind of in a typical Stuart Watson way, very logically and analytically, um, and it makes an excellent read. So hopefully now we can we can add a little bit more flesh to those bones as we, as we discuss it now. We're also going to bring in Thoughts from you, the KOA Army, as well. But before we get going, Hutch, I just want to read out some stats just to kind of, I guess, start the uh, the chat. So in terms of Town's recent form, four wins in 15 games. We know about that. Just one win in their last eight. The opening 16 games of the season, they won 11, drew three, lost two, taking 36 points. The last 15, they've won four, drawn nine and lost Two, so they've actually only lost the same amount of games uh, in a similar sort of spell, but obviously they've taken twenty-one points from from those fifteen. Um, twenty-one points, interestingly, is less than both Paul Cook and Paul Lambert took from their last fifteen games in charge of Ipswich Town. No suggestion here that there's any anything close to needing a change, of course, but just interesting. Uh, and also over that same run of time, only four clubs have won fewer games than Town in the last fifteen games. That's Portsmouth; they've won three. Accrington, Cambridge and Forest Green Rovers, the opponents on Saturday, they've all won two. So that kind of lays it bare, Hutchie, as to the kind of extent of the struggles that town are having. And in terms of reasons, I thought we'd I'd throw kind of reasons at you and you can you can have your say. Um, I think in terms of the kind of feedback we've had, and maybe that's the best way to start would be to, to read a few, a few thoughts from the KO Army. I would say the kind of majority seem to be leaning towards rotation and you know not having a settled 11 uh, and also style of play um so let me just read a few out to get us going uh charlie rose says squad's too big and, and mckenna doesn't know his best 11 too many changes especially at center half and front three means nobody builds a rhythm or partnership our strength in depth is now our weakness dan on a similar topic says has ashton assembled too big of a squad Meaning McKenna as a new manager has even more on his plate to juggle tactics, training, harmony, etc. Similar to the conversations with Potter at Chelsea. Um, another one 
uh, Adam says, consistent team selection, always start chappers, play with more urgency and take your shot. Take your shot in capital letters. Try Luco as the six. Stop the momentum killing subs. Tell Burgess and Morsey to be warriors. Keep it simple. Stop overthinking it. Trust the process and smash and bully tides. So I would say, as I say, I think rotation has been mentioned more often than not. Shall we start there, Touchy, with your thoughts yeah. on that? Um, just looking stats-wise, rotation-wise, they've, they've used four different centre-halves this year in three different variations. And the longest run of starts for a striker all season has been three games. And that was Freddie Ladapo back in December, clearly. Now George Hurst is in that mix. So, rotation, 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 Hutchie. What do you make of this This being a, a big part yeah, of what's happening? I think... I think it is. I personally, I think it is a big, a big part. Freddie Ladapo is a good example of that because I think on on our on on the podcast we've been talking about that for several months about about him just not seemingly getting the run of games that mm. that his form has deserved. He'd have games where he'd score goals, he'd have, it, and then he'd he'd head to the bench. Um, I do think that's a big part of it, and and partnerships partnerships is a really important a really important thing in football. Um, having those partnerships help a team click, having those partnerships and winning together helps you feel invincible, helping and, 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 and just, just a, a continuity and, and, um, and feeling like, you know what, I've played incredibly well today. I'm going to play again next week and mm. I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to do this again. And uh, Ipswich have got a lot of very good players and I can, I can see that, I can see that there are are players who offer different things at different times as well. So we, we talked about sort of game plans for games and things like that. But f- for me, and it's very simplistic, and I, it's very simplistic. But I, I would like to see more continuity in what they hmm. in what they do. Ply- Plymouth, as an example, um, have, a, have a good amount of continuity. They've had their injuries, of course, and their strikers are a bit of a a bit of a a different point here. They rotate quite a lot, but they all score. But like the back line would stay the same um, when everyone's fit. It's is a pretty settled team, and has been for over a season in me- mm. in in most areas. Um, I do think that would help. It would do, it would make a harder man management job because there are so many players that would think that actually, if there's going to be a settled team, I I should be in that. Mm. Um, and I, but. It's a really, it's a really fine yeah. line to tread, isn't it? When you've got, uh, you know, you have a really, really good deep squad, um, and the quality of players you've got, almost all of them will think they should be playing. Yeah, look, look at this one as things, and it's not even about a settled team in this case. Look at Caden Jackson as an example. Two fantastic performances against Burnley in the FA Cup. He's not started a league game in amongst the kind of the web of those. Mm. It's not, it's not just about about a settled team perhaps is it does feel like players aren't always kind of rewarded for their yeah for their good moments and and, and look you can't you it's incredibly naive to think you're going to start the team with a start the season with a with an 11 and and settled subs and that's going to be what it is throughout the whole season it doesn't work like that there's form there's injuries there are games where you need something a little bit different and Ipswich have success, have had success by doing some things a little bit different in certain games but there are also moments where this last few weeks, it, it's really, it's just the, the eye test just tells you that Caden Jackson should have started at mm. probably the Bristol Rovers game. Mm. Mm. Um, do you and, think, he, and he didn't. 
Something that also gets chucked out in this whole kind of rotation chat is that McKenna doesn't know his best 11. Now, clearly, it's impossible for us to, to say whether McKenna thinks he knows his best 11 or not. But do, do you think that's a, a valid point? Um, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to say. I can't get in Kieran's brain, but it, mm. it, I, I, I would say that he maybe doesn't want to know a best 11. Mm. I, I don't know. Does, because because he's got 20, 23 players or whatever mm. whatever it is. Um, I think in general theory, you, we could sit here and, and churn out what we think is on paper a best 11, probably. There are certainly some key components within that. Um, but at the same time, I would sit here right now and, and tell you a best 11 and what I think that is and then start to pick holes in it. Yeah. Um, but that's where Ipswich are at at the moment. Like I would tell you that a best eleven would include Luke Wolfenden, who's been pretty shaky in the last yeah. the last few games. I'd tell you that a best eleven improve, includes Wes Burns, but I've also just told you that Caden Jackson should be should be starting games in that in that position. I'd I'd, I'd tell you that I'd tell you I'd, George Edmondson's injured. I'd tell you that he should be in it. I'd tell you mm. that Leif Davis should be in a best eleven. But I actually think would quite like to see Greg Lee start a game. Mm. At the moment, at the moment, but maybe that's just where it, Ipswich are at. They've got to a point where you're questioning. Um, yeah, questioning Do you think that. When we talk about rotation, a lot of the time we're talking about the, the centre halves, aren't we? Um, as discussed, and we're also talking about the, the front four striker yeah. and, and who plays behind them. Um, and I guess they're, they're pretty important areas of the pitch, aren't they? In which you really need to have bonds. You need to have partnerships. You need to have that kind of um, mm. or almost kind of telepathy with the people you're playing with that you know what they're going to do the runs they're going to make when they're going to leave the ball when they're going to come for the ball that kind of stuff um so that well, looking at on, yeah. the, on the face value that that would appear to be an issue yeah well i think that i think that goes back to last season as well that that front area of the pitch i've mm. i've always felt like and this was when obviously things have shifted a little bit they used to play more distinctly with two number 10s now it's a three behind a one but essentially it's the same the same deal I, I've always felt like just th- there's been something missing between those attacking midfielders in terms of linking with each other. Yeah, they've had that. I've, I, and I remember saying this last season, probably talking about Selena and Chaplin, yeah. probably. Yeah. Um, and I think that's still the case now. And, and you also you're also looking at it thinking that that actually the, the players aren't getting a run. I'd, I've I would say Chaplin and Broadhead would be players that I'd be starting every single time. I'm, I, I'm not sure not starting Chaplin on on Tuesday night was. A, I think you have to. You, Ipswich are at the point where you need to start your top scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at a very basic level, um, but I would want to see Chaplin and Broadhead in in that best eleven and 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 just get them get them working, get them linking. Probably pick a striker as well, get them linking. Um, as we've always said, that all of these strikers are going to have half an hour. Uh, the two strikers are going to get half an hour minimum in, e- in each game. And I think that's right. Mm. Um, but I would see, from what I've seen, I would be starting Ladapo and Hurst would be the the impact guy. That's from, from what I've seen. But, but I also think it's very simplistic to just say start the same 11 every week because it's yeah. not... It's difficult. Like Kyle Edwards' involvement's confused me over the last month or so as well. I think he he's had some really good some really good moments. Offers that something different, but he he's kind of in a bit of a limbo land about 
am I going to make the bench this week? Um, so it's 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 a little bit it's a little bit confusing. Um, but I think there's definitely there's definitely something that that suggests that actually switching things up quite so much and quite so regularly only one back to back unchanged eleven all season. Yeah, there's got to be something in that, hasn't there? Oh, absolutely, yeah. But as you say, it's also far more nuanced and, and subtle than that, isn't it? You can't just say, yeah. right, pick an 11 and just play it every game, whatever happens. Yeah. The truth is always somewhere in the middle, isn't it? Right then, so that's rotation. Um, the other thing I would say in terms of kind of feedback we've had has been style of play. So maybe we do that next. I'll just, I'll just read out a few more thoughts. Steve Clark says, the most obvious answer to the struggles is we play too slowly against low block teams. There's also at least one dozy moment at the back every game. It's often punished by a goal that happened at Bristol Rovers, but we got away mm. with it. Luke Martin says we need to be more aggressive. Why do we just rotate the back three and front three? We need to change wing backs now to freshen up. Edwards and Jackson, as you just said, deserve to play more than they have been. And Ladapo should be starting every game. Irvin Flaherty says inconsistencies throughout the whole team, starting with Walton, who's making uncharacteristic mistakes, but pulls off penalty saves. Then the defence continually making mistakes, especially in injury time. Where is the midfield and the goals? We need a good win. And very soon. And just finally, before we move on to the style of play, Callum Pritchett, the obvious answer is teams have worked us out. They're doubling up in areas where we were strong last season and then can't we can't utilise the space in other areas. The most annoying thing I can see is a lack of urgency in our play, especially in the last minute. So then I've got style of play slash struggles with the low block in terms of yeah. team saving against them. Can I just make, can I say something? Just before we start, yeah, I hate I hate the expression low block. Yeah, <laughs> like where's that come from? That's that that's suddenly that that's coaching speak. Um, it's, if you don't mind suddenly... saying, actually, and we're clearly both big fans of American things. That sounds kind of American. The the low mm. block. Yeah, it's not for me. It's yeah. uh, that that is what it is. That's 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 defending deep. That's that's yeah. <laughs> that's all. That's all that is. That's um. That's defending deep and defending the box, which is what good football teams do. Yeah. Um. At times, it's it's not. It's probably why I'm not a football coach. It's not for me. There's there's many reasons why I'm not a football coach. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's not for me. Um. But it's undoubt it's undoubtedly the case that that's been a struggle for Ipswich, hasn't it? That going back to the Lincoln game, the the the, the one loss they've had at home. Mm. Um. So much possession, um, create chances, which they did at Bristol Rovers. To be fair, they they weren't always the, the greatest of chance. There weren't any golden chances there. They they did create chances, didn't take them, um, but ultimately struggling against teams who defend the penalty area, defend deep, and force Ipswich wide to try and cut the ball back and put the ball mm. in the net. If if you're predictable, it you can predict how you're going to stop them, and mm. and that has become the case for. I've said it a lot over the last few months. I like players that can break the lines and and run with the ball. I, I Ipswich don't have, in my opinion, and haven't had for several years, enough players who regularly get on the ball and run with it and beat somebody. Mm. Because that's how you beat teams who are set up so systematically like that is by winning a one on one matchup and sort of dragging dragging that defence out of the position they've worked so hard to get into. Um, and Carl Edwards is someone who does that, isn't he? Well, yeah, this this is it. Like he he does do that, and you've got to be honest, Carl Edwards hasn't done it consistently enough. So mm. he's not that he's not the golden. This isn't the golden yeah. gun. It's the not answer, the golden yeah. gun here. He's not the answer, but his style of play is the answer. And I think Nathan Broadhead is a bit of that as well. He showed that in the second half 
when he got on the pitch at, at Rovers. Obviously, there's been some ongoing sort of fitness issues with him why he's not starting back-to-back games, which is a shame. But he's got a bit of that as well. But for all the good that Connor Chaplin's got, and I would be starting Connor Chaplin every time, hmm. he's not he's not a line breaker runner with the ball. He's a he's a hot shot um shooter. He can link play a little bit, um, but he's not sort of dribbling past a man. And that, and that's fine because mm. not all players are. The strikers aren't necessarily doing that either. Um but they have got players that can do it. Wes Burns should be doing it more than he more than he has this season. Um and uh, it's not the we've not seen the same Wes Burns of last season. And one of the points that you just read out from one of the tweets there was about doubling up and 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 players knowing where a threat is. Wes has undoubtedly been sort of a victim of that, but at the same time a victim of form as well. Um, so I think you have to. Look, I, I would go back to what I said at the very beginning about League One smarts, about mm. maybe an over sophistication. Um, whenever we talk about, I'd reiterate that. Um, I really like Ipswich Towns what they're tr- what they're trying to do, I, and it, I think it does have a high ceiling, and it can get you out of this league. But I think there's probably a, a call there to to mix things up a little little bit, and you have to be able to to do things differently at times. That doesn't necessarily mean just play two up front. That doesn't. I don't. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think Ladapo and Hurst are the two up front. I don't think they're built to be a two up front together necessarily. I don't think that's the answer, but it's move move the ball quickly. Try and break the lines. I want to see Sam Morsi step forward more from midfield. We don't see that that we used to see, um, particularly in the second half of last season. We, we saw him getting on the ball and sort of driving with it through the middle of the pitch, opening things up. You pull a defender out, there's a gap in behind. That's when you slip it into somebody who's got in behind. And, and that worked really well at times for Town. I, I, I don't know whether that he's being asked to sit a bit deeper, whether the fact he's playing with Humphreys, who um, shouldn't be being leaned on as much as he is. Uh, it's not by design that Cameron Humphreys is playing all of these games. I thought he looked really leggy and I felt for him on Tuesday night because he shouldn't be doing this at this point. They've had horrible injuries in midfield, obviously, hmm. um, and they are the midfielders at the moment. And that's a concern. That is a concern. Um, we'll mm. get on to injuries more later, but um, I want to see more drive from the middle of midfield just to pull people out of position. That's how you beat a low block. You move. Um, I've just said it. Haven't I? You just low said block. low block, mate. Oh, yuck. Infect, <laughs> infect, <laughs> yeah, infected. Exactly. It's in, it's in it's there infu- now. It's infused into, into yeah. it. Disgusting. But that's how you beat it. Just pulling people out, pulling them out of where they want to be and, and, and punishing the gaps and, um, doesn't feel like they're doing that anywhere, anywhere near enough. Um, don't have to necessarily start playing rocket balls forward as well. It's not about long ball. It's not suddenly where's plan B, mate. That kind of thing. It's it's. I think you can have plans within a plan and just be willing to sort of be off the cuff, be brave a little bit, mm. um, and do something a little bit different and work the opposition out and test them in the areas they can be tested and not just settle, 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 settle into um, patterns of play. Because um, it felt like that entire game on on Tuesday night, bar the first five minutes and a few moments in the second half, was one long, stodgy um, pattern of of play that was playing out again and again and again, and um, mm. difficult to sort. Easy to say, difficult to do. But um, they're good football players and they're very good coaches. I think they can work it out. Yeah, 
What's the Einstein quote? The definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different mm. result. Yeah, mm. Just throwing that out there. Um, right then. So that's rotation, uh, rotation and style of play covered. And we'll move on to something else if I've read out a few more thoughts. Uh, Matt, proud father of three, says, Matt, I understand the theory behind rotating the side, but I'd now just start every game with the same team. It's best to live and the chopping and changing isn't helping anyone, especially the centre-backs. Mark Ewing says, I met up with friends who are Rovers fans after the game. They actually thought we were excellent for the first half, so much faster than what they normally see. think we're going in the right direction, but you can't buy confidence. Tom says, is it time for Hladke? Got to play a settled side for the next four games. We should be winning all four of those games before the real test of potential playoff opponents in Bolton, Barnsley and Derby. These next four games should be a momentum builder for the big ones. We'll come on to that in due course. Foister says, where do you start with a real issue with playing low block and physical sides as early back as the second and third game of the season at Forest Green and Burton? Neither games we should have won, which is either a tactical issue or a player profile issue. Uh, Duncan King says, patience is key. A manager in his first full season with a squad that isn't all his. K-Mac's ideal style requires a specific type of player. Arteta almost got the sack last season, stuck to plan A, didn't deviate and look where it's got them. We're building slowly but surely. And one final thought. From friend of the show, Nigel G, the man with the fish. It's says, a bass. Is, it's a bass. Is strength and depth in the squad causing selection issues? The starting lineup needs to be more settled. Should Tam be mixing it up more with some more direct play? Are they also overpassing it? And should there be less passes in build-up play to create a chance on goal? So a few more thoughts there from the KOA Army. Obviously, we've just discussed. That Arteta thing's back. interesting. That, that, yeah. Arteta, that Arteta point, obviously, they lost last night. Not a great time to compare to Arteta, but it's an in... There are there are some comparisons there in terms of um, sticking by your beliefs and getting there. It's a slightly different task. Obviously, Arteta was trying to do that all within the same league where he knew that his style was tried and tested when he coached at Manchester City under Guardiola. It's similar, isn't it? And, and he mm. knew that that was a route to success in the Premier League. Slightly different here in that you're kind of straddling two levels of football in, yeah. in, in an approach. But it's an interesting comparison. Yeah, you're trying to create a team, aren't you, for the next level while still being stuck in in the current one. Yeah, um, I, but, but I would say I would say at that point, if I don't think that that's something, I don't think you can accuse Ipswich of try, like being big for their boots and thinking actually we're better than this. We're a championship mm. club. We I don't think that's true at all. I, I think they're they're trying to they've just got big dreams and and they're trying to they think that the best way to get out of the division is by, by playing that way and, and building yeah. the future that way. And, and I'd agree with that. I would agree with that, but you just need some other stuff chucked in there. You it's not, an, it's not, it's not an arrogance. You have to be aspirational, don't you? In, yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? If you, if you, you know, if, uh, if all you want to do is just remain in league one, no mm. point. Um, right then. So Hutchie, I've got left in terms of issues to discuss. I've got lack of ruthlessness, psychological kind of lack of belief, and also the injuries which we've discussed, especially in, in centre mid. Do you want to pick one of those and go with it? Should we do? Should we do the injuries because I think yeah. that's a pretty that's a pretty easy one to. That, yes, central midfield is massive for Ipswich mm. at the moment. Morsi, um, Morsi's a booking away from a two game ban, so I don't know what they would do if that happened before anybody else was back. It's, what would they do, Hutchie? That's an interesting one. Yeah, it, could you stick the loop? I mean, a Luko's. I think I think what they would do is I think I think Luongo's close enough that he would okay. that he would be, but if he wasn't, yeah, uh, I don't like I don't love the idea of of a Luco in a midfield like that. I don't love that at all. Um, but someone well, has to play there. Wolf, yeah. Wolfenden, yeah, he had that half an hour against the the might of um, Buxton. 
in the FA Cup to have a go at central midfield, again, isn't ideal in any way at all. And all of that involves Cameron Humphreys playing as well, who mm. who clearly is a very, very promising young player. He's been fantastic at times, but I, I, he should not be he should not be being asked to do what he's doing at the moment. It's unfair. Um, very, very, and that wasn't part of the plan at all. Um, so, uh, Morsi, uh, Morsi has, has had very long spells in his career, even at Ipswich, where he has not been booked. Mm. The deadline isn't, the, the kind of the cutoff point isn't a million miles away in terms of, um, in terms of those bookings. Um, he might get there. He might not. Um, but I, he can't approach a game trying not to get booked because mm. then you're not you're not getting the best out of him at all. So um, you can't deny that the injuries have been a massive, massive blow. Evans has been Evans has been great at times this season, but he's had this is his second now spell of might even be his third spell out of the mm. team. Dominic Ball they've never really had. He never really got going. Kamara certainly never got going. Um, real problem, central midfield. And, and that is kind of um, something you can't mitigate for, isn't it? You know, it's just, that is just bad luck. Because yeah, they've, they've, well, they've, yeah. It's not as if they haven't signed centre midfield. Yeah. They've got plenty of them. They're just all injured. Yeah, they have mitigated for it. And even yeah. then, they've, they've done, you can't, we talked about Kamara being, do they really need him? Yeah. And if he'd been fit right now, we'd have been like, yeah, they did. Look at, yeah. would you believe it? They did that. You can't, there's no stick to beat them with there. It's, um, it's pure, pure bad luck in a crucial position. Every other injury they've had this season has been well covered. Like, like John Jules has been a miss, but there's never been a game where you're thinking, who on earth are they going to play up front today? Um, mm. they've had injuries throughout the team at various points. They're missing Edmondson at the moment, I think. They're, they've had injuries in almost every position, but they've all been coverable. Um, this is bare bones now because there's no centre midfield substitute on the bench, and that was badly need badly needed on Tuesday night. Someone to come on for the last half an hour, uh, they just simply didn't have at all. So, yeah, that's a big that that's that's a big one, and and it's a, a that one's a bit of a worry for me because we're now talking about Ipswich trying to get out of this slump, um, and they're a little bit hamstrung in one in one position there. Benson agrees. Benson agrees with you. He says, excellent analysis, Hutchie. Um, big fan of yours. And I, I will try and mute because he's being mm-hmm. annoying. But I, I need to read a few more thoughts before we move on to the next thing. Baron Harvey says, teams have figured us out. I'd say a change in system appears to be the way forward. Three plus changes each game clearly isn't having the effect that Kenner's looking for. Sheepy, not David Sheepshanks, I'm assuming, <laughs> says, more crosses into the box and more efforts from outside the box needed. In my opinion, we're not facing class defenders or goalkeepers. The football's better under McKenna, but sometimes you just need to go basic. Come on, you Blues, don't finish outside the playoffs. Jessica Denny says, plenty of possession, but not threatening when we eventually get near the goal. Too many misplaced passes and players going missing in the game. For example, Marcus Harness, I couldn't see him at Bristol Rovers and it wasn't even foggy. So a, a few a few mentions there for kind of things looking at towards lack of ruthlessness, actually. So should we take that one next? Mm-hmm. Just in terms of shots, in, in Stewie's bit today, he's pointed out that in the games they've dropped points, they are still having quite a lot of shots, 20-plus shots in a lot of those. And yet quite a lot of the time we, we're hearing from fans, just shoot, just have a shot, take a shot from outside the box. So what, where do you, what do you make of this? This is a tough... I find it tough to talk about this one because they're... Yeah, they did have shots. They did have shots at 
at Rovers on Tuesday night, but so many of them were from sort of tight angles inside the penalty area. I, I don't know if there's a real kind of metric for for shot quality. Um, I know that there is in basketball. There's a very, very, very specific me- metrics that kind of measure the quality of the shot that you're actually taking on um, and percentage chances and things like that. I don't know how high that would be for town. That's something I'd need to look into in a, in a lot more depth. But um, it didn't... Football's becoming more of a game of stats, but I still think there's a huge value in kind of what Stu and I have started calling the, the eye test and feel. And, and it... It didn't feel like they were going to score um, on Tuesday. Um, more shots from outside the box. That's an interesting one because I would I'd like to see them shoot more from outside of the box, but that is kind of at odds with the the, the approach of working the ball wide and crossing and crossing it in. That's um, the ball's in a different area of the pitch by that point. Um, there was a time where Town were well sort of up in the XG kind of stats in league one but weren't but weren't taking them i'm not entirely sure where that stat is now where they're at on xg um be interested to know what their xg was at rovers on on tuesday night um but clearly there have been games where they they could have been more ruthless that lincoln game all that a lot of this stems back to that lincoln game as a prime example more than 30 shots and, and no goal that's um that's a stat that doesn't add up to anything particularly good and it is it is a bit odd, isn't it, when you say lack of ruthlessness for a side who were I'm fairly sure they still are, the, the top scorers in, in the division. Yeah, but that I think that's that's the if you look at the XG, they were underperforming their XG mm. still. Um and they're actually not anymore. They've lost that title to Plymouth um by by one goal, but they have held that pretty much since day one, haven't they? It feels yeah. like. Yeah. Um so yeah, it, that's always felt a very strange a very strange one, but um, they're certainly not sort of top scorers. If you look at that, if you look at those two blocks of games you read out at the beginning, the first fifth, first sixteen games and the last fifteen, hmm. um, I'm sure they're not the top scorers in that last that last fifteen. Um, that's for sure. Okay, um, there's one more thing to talk about in my list of potential problems. Um, let's take a few more thoughts from the Kawe Army. Ian Peters says. We've got to try 3-5-2 now, maybe Hurst and Chaplin up top. Mix it up, uh, get balls to feet centrally and get bodies around them. Three central midfielders would need one sitter. Squad's talented enough to adapt to this, whether or not you've got the players. Certainly in centre midfield, I don't know. Nick Castaldo, what happened to a cue Kevin Mincher, the ITFC sports performance coach for players' mindset and well-being? He came in, and rightly so, needing to change the players' mentalities. So much could have been done. Um, the players are weak when the going gets tough. Um Bill says, I wonder if there's any further movement on bringing Magilton in, in some kind of consulting role, much like Peter Reed under Cook. That didn't last very long, did it? Just to bring further experience behind the scenes, the relationship to the club, and McKenna's already there. Sticky says, teams have worked us out, too slow in the build-up, not playing and pressing with enough intensity to make plan A effective, and not enough pace and physicality to play through teams as plan B. Lewis Mitchell, zero partnerships or rhythm behind the forward players. Rotation of that front three means precious little chance to build rapport. This, coupled with the alarming drop in form, slash confidence of Walton, is he over his hand injury, Lewis says. The final thing on my list, Hutchie, is psychological slash belief. Um, I proposed a few weeks ago that maybe the first crack started with that mental Charlton 4-4, which at the time we kind of said, well, it's just crazy, it's you know, a one-off thing. Um, but maybe if you look at the form since, 
maybe that has had a, an impact on the psychology. And the reason that, for, in my opinion anyway, that psychology and belief is so important is because when you get to the top level, the elite level of sport, I mean, yes, you could argue this is league one, it's not elite elite, but it's professional sport. Everyone is good. Like, everyone is good at this level. If you take any t- any player from League One and put them in a Sunday League team, hmm. they'd be they'd stand out head and shoulders. So everyone is good. And especially as you go up even higher, everyone is brilliant. And the thing that separates just good from great, from all-time elite, is mentality, that belief. It, it's razor thin. And I just wonder, we know belief has been a problem for so long at town. And I just wonder if, if that is still a part of what's going on now because Siri says on Monday then they they struggle in chaos and we've seen these kind of mega wobbles haven't we recently um where things have not been going right and they've, they've really really struggled for five or ten minutes mm. so how much do you think this is a part of what's what's going on first thing I'd say league one is a league at times of chaos so yeah that goes back to my overall point at the beginning about a bit of league one now missing it that it is a league of chaos at times just look at some of the components of it it, it is mm. um an ipswich town are not a team of chaos they are a team of methodical well-planned um i think the thinking man's team in uh, and, and that has its positives as we've said mm. um ipswich probably if that if, clearly if that game at charlton had finished four two um, they would have come off that pitch feeling invincible. They went into it feeling almost invincible um, mm. at, at that time. It, it, they things were going incredibly well. They'd had the blip with in the um, in the Lincoln game not long previously, but they'd beaten Derby. They'd won at Port Vale. Um, they were rolling. They were really rolling at that point, and they've come off the pitch. And I don't, I don't like. I find it really difficult to talk about like psychology and mentality because. We can't get inside people's heads, hmm. but all we can do is look at what's happened since. And yeah, you you, you can't I, you can't really look at what happens since and de- and deny that that afternoon is going to have put a severe dent in um, in sort of invincibility, comfort levels of confidence. Hmm. Can't can't deny that. Um, I'm not a massive subscriber to the kind of there's something sort of negative and um belief and mentality kind of ingrained in the club I, I, i'm not a massive believer in that i think i think you can only kind of take the group for what it is um mm. but how can you how can they have gone through that run of 15 games that we've talked about and, and not sort of have taken a, a hit in, mm. in in your belief in yourself um, you can't not. They've had reasons to believe in themselves hugely along the way. Those two Burnley games, of course, um, the the win over Morecambe was was a really good one recently. Obviously, it's a, a very poor Morecambe team. They beat Peterborough in that time. Big mm. win on Boxing Day against Oxford. Um, so they've had they've had reasons to believe, but you can't go through a prolonged run like that and not sort of and 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 not sort of take a dent, can you? Like you no. have to. You have to. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, even McKenna was even talking about it, wasn't he? Post match about players' confidence and having to mm. keep it high and needing to yeah. get a win, all that kind of stuff. But it all feeds into it, doesn't it? We've we just spent a while talking about rotation and mm. and partnerships, and if you've not got that kind of belief in your partnership with the man immediately next to you, or the or the 
or, or the striker at the front of the team, you've not got that belief that actually you two are fantastic at working together mm. and we can do we can do this. I think that all feeds into it too. Um, or, or just, or may, I don't know, a belief that, yes, I've played two fantastic games against Burnley. I'm going to be rewarded with a a start in the in the league against either Sheffield Wednesday in that huge game or even at Bristol Rovers. It all kind of feeds into that belief, I guess, doesn't it? Hmm. Um, but I find it really hard to talk about mentality because the, these guys are incredibly mentally strong. Um, this isn't, and what I would say, and this kind of feeds into my overall feeling about the big picture is this isn't this isn't like that Ipswich Town team of Paul Lamberts who who Paul Lambert was talking about would tell you privately that he thought that some of his players would benefit from playing behind closed doors. <laughs> uh, that was concerning. Yeah, uh, that there are players in that squad that they thought that that coaching staff thought actually we could be onto something here these players are going to be better off in an empty stadium. Um, that's worrying. Don't feel that's not something I feel at all about, mm. about this group here. So mm. yeah, okay. I, I, that's, that's how, that's kind of how I feel. Okay. Before we wrap things up, let's take a few more thoughts from the, uh, the Coe army. Alan Grant says, do we now have a team where players are terrified to make a mistake for fear of being binned for the next match? Safe and slower options preferred. Hence we are very predictable. Uh, Ricky Kitchen says, is it too simple to say it all comes down to the Charlton game? Never recovered from that. Um, Andy Nicholson, no consistent team selection, too predictable play. Opposition find too easy to play against. There's lack of guile and able to break teams down. Lack of mentally strong characters. Andy's saying everything there. Then he, he finishes, it's the hope that kills you. Hmm. Uh, Jay, we've spoken in the past about how this team would do well in the championship. The outside of Derby, you've yet to beat a team inside the top six, which does not bode well for the playoffs. Hmm. Do Town have the bottle? Sin City, we're trying to be the Man City of League One. And whilst our players are very good, they're not good enough to unlock defences. Would the top two play any of our defence in their teams? Would they have a striker finally find some form to then drop him every other game? Matthew Casper, and I just feel McKenna's overcomplicating things, makes pre-planned changes every game, never mind how the game's actually going. Why have we gone away from three at the back and flying wing-backs? We are so mentally fragile. Um so a lot of thoughts there from a lot of different people and a lot of kind of recurrent themes. We've talked a lot there about the big ones, Hutchie, and you've already kind of given us a glimpse into what you're probably about to say now, which is when I ask you, what's the way out of this? Um, you're going to say they just need to have a little bit more street smarts by the sound of it. Yeah, that's my that's my big feeling, um, is that there's just a bit just a bit more... I don't know probably not fair to call it an, an acknowledgement of where they are because I, I I don't think there's any arrogance about this about this mm. team and maybe there should be maybe maybe there should be more arrogance um I don't know but but I don't think there is they know they're in league one so that just just a bit more just a bit more league one is 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 maybe what's required that's a difficult pivot to make at this point um I think I'll, I'll be honest. If you look at their records against the top, the top six, you, the, the listener there in the tweet was like, "Yeah, mm. they've only won one against Derby." I went through a couple of. I went through Bolton's record uh, because they're the, the train coming. They've only beaten one team in the top six as well. They've won one, <laughs> drawn four. I, I think it's that drawn four, lost four. Sheffield Wednesday have only won a couple. Um, mm. So, I, and, and this is why I feel. I, I genuinely feel so much more positive about 
what's there at Ipswich at the moment than I do in the past. And I know we've just spent 50 minutes talking about all of the negatives. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think they're going to win automatic promotion from this point, because I think that's incredibly difficult for them now. Incredibly Mm. difficult. Those two blocks of games you talked about at the beginning, Mark, if you, if you, if you sort of simulate Ipswich doing what they did in the first 16 again in the last Mm. 15, that only gets them into like 81, 82 points, something like that. Not enough. That won't, mm. won't be anywhere near enough for the for uh, um, to keep pace with the top two. So it's going to need something extraordinary from here. But in terms of what Ipswich are and where they're going, I feel so much more confident about what's there now than than anything in the past. In, in, yeah. in the piece, in the piece I wrote after Tuesday night, I talked about some similarities to the first season under under Paul Lambert, where things were going great for so long, top of the league, and despite actually having an incredibly poor run of form during that spell where he got that five-year contract extension, um, they remained first or second because teams had games in hand and it was, and eventually they got completely smothered by everybody underneath them Mm. and ended up finishing ninth before dropping to 11th once points per game got chucked in. Yes, there are some similarities to that in terms of the way that they're heading um, in terms of sort of teams from below pushing up Ipswich dropping down hold holding on in there first or second then it was third now it's fourth um and yet now we we're, we're having people talking about whether Ipswich will even make the playoffs and remember if they don't make the playoffs Stuart Watson is going to be the mascot at Fleetwood <laughs> on the final that's something day to look the, that's something to look forward on, to on I'm the not, final day of the season yeah I'm not sure town will be up for that if they, indeed they have missed out on the playoffs and we try explain um, to them the reason for wanting Stu to be the mascot yeah but I don't but look I I I feel so much more confident about this group and particularly the coaching staff than I did about the past I think they've got an intelligent manager um who can find and think a way out of it and is humble enough maybe to make the changes that are needed to to get out of where they are. I don't think they had that in the past under Lambert or Cook in this in this division. Um I think mm. they've got better players than they had under both of those. Um they're building something with a high ceiling. They're well backed. Um and I'd hope they've still got big full stadiums to play in front of of fans showing belief in them um mm. in these final fifteen. They're definitely going to make the playoffs. I can't. I can't see that not happening. I think it's an incredible job uh, they've got on now to finish in the top two, mm. um, but they can't think that they're trying to achieve anything otherwise. Mm. Um, but they do need to do it. They they actually they need to do it. I think I these next four games. So what have they got coming up? They've got they've got obviously Forest Green at the weekend. MK Dons in there. Accrington. And um, who else have they got? They've got one more in there. Burton. Burton, right. Four teams in the bottom six. I think they'll win all four of those. They have to win all four of those, don't they? There's no, there's no kind well, of debate around. They, yeah, they, yeah, they, they do, they do, and I don't, and I don't think winning all four of those is going to be the difference between them being seriously in an automatic promotion hunt or not. Mm. because they could very well win all four of those and be no closer to what they're trying to achieve than they are now mm. but in terms of showing in terms of showing us who they are and what they are yeah they do have to win all four of those games um and and win i, I don't care how they win them actually uh, i mm. really don't i don't uh, they don't they just just win four those four games 
will settle things. And yes, they're teams that Ipswich should be beating. And no, that doesn't mean anything on what they're able to do in a playoff scenario if that's where they end up. Um, but but what it will do is show a belief that they can churn those wins out. Hmm. Top two is not impossible, but it's incredibly difficult. And it's certainly not possible if they don't win four games like this. So hmm. um, I think they will. I've, I've, I like, I like so, so much about what they've got at Ipswich at the moment. Um, but they just need to show it. They need to show it, shed some baggage and show it. There we go then. Uh, I mean, I think it is important to finish on that note, isn't it, Hutchie? I mean, we've, we've sat here obviously and broken down various issues around the club and that's because of how they started and, and what's happened in the last few months and the, and the expectation and the, everything they say around the club, the standards, exceptionally high, held to a higher kind of standard than they have been. So that has to be a, a discussion. But equally, we're sitting here with a team in, okay, they've struggled, they've struggled recently, but they're still in fourth place. They still have mm. everything around them, which is so much better than it was before. And they do still have an incredibly strong squad. And also, if you look at the games remaining, you've mentioned the next four against sides in the bottom six. But if you look at the games remaining, 15 games left. They've got eight of those at home. Forest Green Rovers, Burton, Accrington, Shrewsbury, Wickham on Good Friday. That could be a big game, couldn't it? Um, Charlton, Port Vale and Exeter. So all of those home games, you would say town are favourites to win. And then the away games, we know there's, there's, there's some tough away games coming up. But MK Dons to begin with, then Bolton... Barnsley and Derby, three consecutive away games. That will be tough. But finishing with but Cheltenham. exciting, exciting, yeah. Cheltenham, Peterborough, and Fleetwood, obviously on the final day. So again, if you look at the games to come, there's every reason to believe that Town can turn their fortunes around. And it, and it really is just a case of after a win, things will feel better, won't they? This too shall pass. In that great saying about life, this too shall pass. Time is your ally, um, and things can look very different after just a few days. Um, mm. which hopefully we'll be talking, you know, this way on, on, on Monday, having got that win we, everyone needs and, and hopefully starting to build some more momentum. Um, we'll, we'll finish with talking about Forest Green, actually. Just just one other thing we should mention on, on an Ipswich Town News podcast, Ben Morris leaving. Um, confirmed last night he's left on a free transfer, gone to Detroit City of the USL, which sounds tremendous good fun to me. Um, mm. I wonder if he'll be playing a low block there. Uh but Ben Morris, once upon a time, was one of the next big things, wasn't he? Um, yeah. As a striker. Yeah, suffered terribly with knee injuries. Two really bad knee injuries, I can relate there, as a fellow elite athlete. Um, and you've written something about Ben Ben that's just gone online this morning. Yeah, I, I'm sad about Ben Morris because I, whenever I hear his name or see a picture of him, I always think back to the, the closing stages of, of Town's game with Blackburn, home game first game of Paul Hurst he came on for the final 10 minutes or so and was really bright he had one moment down the right where he twisted and turned I think he had a shot on goal in there and I've always really liked him really mm. like what he could do but that was 2018 it's 2020 yeah. it's 2023 now five years coming up for since that since that happened two like you say two horrible knee injuries within a year of each other really um in that time um just made things incredibly difficult for him. Town have moved on in that time and, and he he drops away like so many unfortunate young players do. Um, but I'm glad he's going to get a chance to play. It's a it's an interesting move to make, obviously, like you say, move to move to Detroit, big city. Um, something very, very new. Um, 
But the fact he's still going, still playing and can make a living from football and go and do that in the United States is really, really quite positive, isn't it? Um, what a life experience for a young man. 23 yeah. years old, moving to the Motor City, playing professional sport in another country, a huge a huge country in America. A lot of exciting things happening around soccer, as they call it. Uh, yeah. yeah, fantastic life experience for him at the very least. So uh, we should be watching from afar and, and wishing him well. Um, Hutchie, Forest Green Rovers on Saturday. We have to finish there. They've not won since December the 10th. They've only won one away game all season. Do you know when that was? No. The very first game of the season. They beat Bristol City away. They've not won an away game since. They are clearly bottom of the table. Uh, they do have, excitingly, and I think this is one of the most exciting things around the game, big dunk as a manager. And, and a big a big story around this game, Hutchie, is going to be can Stewie get a selfie with his, <laughs> leg, with his, with his, his, his kind of hero from youth? Um, well, I'm interested yeah. to know if you've got tactic around that. That's interesting because, like, we've seen Vincent Company a couple of times in the last the last two Ipswich games, um, and in each of his post match press conference, somebody has gone and got a photo with him. Some, yeah, not not great journalist etiquette, no, to go and do that. Um, I don't think Stu's got that. I don't think he wants to. I think I think the etiquette will be too strong in him. But I really want to because that is. I mean, it's hard to understate how how kind of breaking of etiquette that is. We talked Mm. before about kind of applauding in the press box or showing any kind of partisanship, and you should definitely never ask. Generally speaking, as a journalist, you never ask for selfies with people you interview because you're there to do a job. Mm. You're professional, um, whoever it is. But I can see here with Stewie. I mean, big dunk is is his hero. He's told me before yeah. he was an impromptu mascot for Everton years ago. I don't know if he's told he's talked about it on this pod, but he said looking up at Big Dunk and he looked like you know a giant, which he must have done to a young Watson. He is a very big man. Um mm. so he, he has that kind of emotional connection to this guy, which he's gonna obviously see in person and, and have a chance to chat to on Saturday. So I kind of hope in a way that he does a little bit break protocol and yeah, Get that picture. There's a bit of some logistics to overcome because Kieran McKenna obviously comes up to the media room to do his post-match at every Portman Road game. That's that's mm. what he does. But the the away managers a little bit more hit and miss. Um, sometimes they do it by the touchline. Um, sometimes they come up, and you don't really know that until quite late in proceedings. So there's some logistical things to manage here. Um, Hopefully we can uh, he can at least see him in the flesh. I'd love to. I'd, I just I just love to see it because I know it would mean quite a lot to Watto. Yeah, as as he's obviously an incredibly professional, um, mm. serious journalist. It, yeah, I think it would be quite nice. Yeah. What's your favourite big dunk story, by the way? I think mine would be when he battered the uh, the burglars who had the misfortune to break into his house. There Are there any others? I couldn't tell you another big dunk story. There's quite a lot of stories of his famous um, uh, ability to, to to take on quite a lot of alcohol, isn't there, and still perform the following day on the pitch. But yeah, two, two burglars break into his house looking to steal his CD collection. Big dunk puts them both in hospital. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, anyway, right then. Uh, what about this game then, Hutchie? Um, should we talk about the team first of all? There's been a lot, of, yeah. a lot of chat around, obviously, rotation and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've seen quite a few people actually saying, again, around potential changes, this is the time to go with Hladke. Um Your thoughts on the team? 
still not for me. And I, I, I'm, you can't drop Christian Walton for dropping a ball that didn't go in the net. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be for me. I'd, mm. I'd stick with the guy. My thoughts on the team. Um, should I tell you what I would do? And then, yeah. Yeah, I don't think this is what they would do. So I'd, I'd go Walton in goal. I'd probably go back to Clark for a game like this at right back. Might be forced to play Wolfenden and Burgess again in the middle if Edmonton's not right. I wouldn't wouldn't put Keogh in necessarily. I'd go with Greg Lee at left back. Um, Morsi and Humphreys in midfield, assuming there's nobody miraculously returns. Jackson on the right, Chaplin in the middle, Broadhead on the left, Ladapo up front. That would be. And you say that's what you'd do. But what, so what do you think would do. be different? Um, Uh, Davis yeah. uh, I mean there's a discussion around the, the right back um, the goalkeeper I guess is a discussion it wouldn't be what I would do uh, this Keo is a factor in there it wouldn't be what I would do um, or is a discussion around the striker as well I guess isn't there yeah yeah. again there's yeah history suggests that maybe back to Hurst um, yeah yeah, there's there's some moving parts there, but um, that's what I'd do. Right then, let's finish with predictions. Let's finish up beat. Hopefully, um, when we talked about these games before, I said two nil, coming off the back of a draw at Bristol Rovers. Obviously, you'd imagine that Forest Green are going to come and do what everyone else does against Ipswich Town uh, at home. I use that low block, actually, you're so fond of, uh, of mentioning, make it very hard for them and challenge them to break them down. That surely is going to be how they'll play. You said five nil, Hutchie when we looked ahead, because you said this is going to be the coming out game after, again, you predicted a draw at Bristol Rovers. How are you feeling about that prediction now? Yeah, stick with that. Um, that is exactly yeah. what we need, though, isn't it? Yeah, that would be a, yeah that it's would exactly be what they need. Um, yeah. Uh, Forest Green, I'm sure they I'm sure they will look to frustrate Ipswich, but under Ian Birchnell before, um, before Big Dunk came in, they, were, they weren't... You kind of associate every team that's at the bottom of the league with like scrapping for their lives all the time. They try to play. Mm. They're a team that try to play. Um, and that normally means that when they then try and be the team that stops everybody else playing, they don't find it as easily as easy to do because they're not built to do that. Um and I think I think we might see that in action at the weekend where they're not quite as good at it as teams that do it loads. Mm. Um I'm sure. I'll be honest. I've not, I've not, I've not seen a single second of Forest Green under Duncan Ferguson. But I feel sure that he's got his own footballing philosophies. But I'm also sure at the same time, it's the first thing he's tried to do is make them more solid. Mm. Um, it's not noticeably worked in their in their <laughs> no, results. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I look, I think Ipswich will will put will put them away. Um, will put them away fairly easily. They lost to Charlton on on Tuesday night, didn't they, at home yeah. and. Um, and as you've said, no win since December the 10th. And only two of those are draws, I think. So, um, yeah, I think Town town should should see this one through fairly comfortably. Five, Have you got a million... A, you're saying you're sticking with 5-0? Yeah. Have you got yeah. a million-pound pick for me? Because we've not been on, on a pod where you can give me a million-pound pick for a little while. We've been ships that pass in the night. Mm. Um, and last time we did a million-pound pick, I took a million pounds off you, my friend. Yeah. I enticed you with that 16-1 to one on Hurst and the Dapo. Well, yeah, straight into the in the back pocket of Heath. Million, million. Did Ladapo Lida, score? Whatever game that was, Ladapo scored, but Hurst didn't. Did is that score. yeah? Is yeah. that right? So you were yeah. getting a bit nervous, weren't you? Oh, yeah. I, I would, <laughs> that I was that was the key thing. I was I was checking. Yeah, 
Um, yep. Yeah, whatever that was. So I think at, I think at that point I had like six million pounds in the. Oh the, yeah, you were wedged up, mate. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sp- I'm gonna chuck another million out there. Okay. This. And I'm going to back what I said earlier. I think they'll win all four of these next coming games. Forest Green, MK Dons, Burton and Accrington. They'll win all four. All four of those. Four straight wins. And, and, and in that time, Uh we'll we'll score 12 or more goals. Okay. So that's... Uh, win all four games, score at least 12 goals over that period. Uh, I'll give you... Oh, this is where I'm, I'm tending to lean towards generous on the odds, isn't it? Um, mm. Because clearly that is quite a big combination of things to happen. Yeah. Uh, what the mistake I've made is I've told you I'm already going to put a million on it. Yeah, <laughs> whatever I say. Because I'll no. give you four to one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because if I was going to put like 20 quid on this, you would be, oh, yeah, fine. Yeah, that's pretty, that's unlikely to happen. But now, you know. Yeah. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you 33 to one. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I love that. Million, you please. Think, you think that's generous? Yeah. I don't know which way to go on this because yeah. that's quite a big combination of things to happen. Four straight wins and to score a set amount of goals. Yeah. Three Given goals. they've not won, you know, they've won one in eight games. Yeah, looking at the form, but again, I can clearly see that I've gone too generous there. Well, if it happens, you've done it for the great, <laughs> the greater good, haven't you? Three, three to one charity. Because that would be that would be tremendous. You winning, mm. you <laughs> you winning uh, thirty three uh-huh. million, thirty four million, in fact, of course, with your stake. Yeah. Um, right, then, Hutchie. All that's left to play is uh, guess the shirt over your shoulder. Is that Aston Villa? No. Bugger. It's is a really what... nice shirt. It's nice, it's, isn't it? It's uh, it's mostly black with pink stripes. This is electric pink. Um, yeah, that's a really nice shirt, but I'm terrible at this. So you better just tell me. Does that help you at all? Eyeless Canarius. Uh, no. Tenerife. Oh, nice. That's a really nice shirt, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is nice. I love pink on a shirt, generally. And six, and six pounds. Lovely. An excellent acquirement. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. As I've said before several times, the use of pink on a shirt is great. And electric pink with that black looks fantastic. Uh, right then, Hutchie, we better, we better crack on. Um, we've put the world to rights over the course of 75 minutes or so. Um, hopefully you've not thought this is too morose, but clearly given the, the recent run, I thought it was worth digging in, getting analytical about things, and hopefully you've enjoyed what we've done. Um, anything else to mention, Hutchie? Nope. Uh, my adventures with air fryer will continue this weekend when I'll be making crispy chili beef. Uh, I've had a few people ask me for the recipes I've mentioned, so I'll, I'll share those <laughs> maybe on my, my Instagram. When I say I've had a few people ask, I mean, I've had three people ask, actually. That's um, a few. Yeah, That's the smallest pra- possible few. Prawn toast in the air fryer. Amazing. Doing that again this weekend. And also um, Pringle coated fried chicken. They winner. did sound nice. I'd, I'd, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I didn't listen to the previous podcast mm. that I wasn't on, so I didn't actually know that you had an air fryer. 
and so you came back with episode two of the adventures of your air fryer. You just jumped straight and in, I, yeah. I didn't know where that had come from, but both both things that you discussed was it smoky bacon Pringles? You smoky said? bacon Pringles, yeah. On chicken, that does sound nice. It's and so simple as well, particularly the prawn toast. That sounds toast. that sounds prawn great, toast amazing. So I'll share I'll share the recipes on Instagram. I reckon um, if you're on Instagram, I'll put them on my story because uh, they are definitely worth trying if you've got an air fryer. And episode three of Adventures with Air Fryer will be crispy chili beef. <laughs> so come back next week for more on that, friends. Um, all that leaves me then to say is the usual stuff. Please support our sponsors. Use the code CARE at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all the excellent stuff there. New lines launched as we speak. And also, obviously, if you like your pickle ginger, Google ginger pickle. Get them yeah. to sort your digital marketing right out. SEO, Google ads, Google ranking, all that kind of good stuff. Get involved with Tony Southgate and ginger pickle. Uh, and also, friends, if you could subscribe on your various podcast providers, that's great because it means you get the latest stuff directly into your feed. Also, follow us on social media, uh, Instagram. Uh, Kings of Anglo on Instagram, YouTube, especially YouTube, if you could, uh, Twitter and Facebook. And also, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes because it helps lift our visibility in the charts and helps more people find us. Right then, friends, 75 minutes of kind of group therapy, really, there, um, talking about what's going on at town. Um, but the, what we know is it can all change with a win. And they've got Forest Green at home this weekend. Hutchie's saying 5-0. Let's hope he's right. He is quite a lot. So uh, let's hope we're talking about a 5-0 win on Monday. Have a great weekend, whatever you're doing. We'll be back to speak to you next time.